it's wrong to criticize leaders of the church, even if the criticism is true. I have no doubt on the basis of what I have, have studied and learned that uh, Mormons, including local leaders of our church, were prime movers in that terrible episode and participated in the killing. Some of them are a little darker, some of them have slant eyes. Penny lay pale. Penny lay pale. Penny lay You beautiful girls don't wander around looking like men. Put on a little lipstick now and then and look a little charming. <laughs> It's that simple. And if they have a Catholic background, y si tienen un uh, antecedentes católicos, they don't know who God is. No saben quién es Dios. They don't know who the Savior is. No saben quién es el Salvador. Nor do they know who the Holy Ghost is. Y no saben quién es el Espíritu Santo. And we know. Y nosotros who, who sí sabemos quiénes son. Because Joseph. Porque José knelt in the presence of the Father and the Son. Se arrodilló en la presencia del Padre y del Hijo. You're saying to them, bring your faith with you, right? Sure. You're not saying, leave your Catholicism. I say this to other people. You, you develop all the good you can. We have no animosity toward any other church. We do not oppose other churches. We never speak negatively of other churches. We say to people, you bring all the good that you have and let us see if we can add to it. You all look alike. White shirts, some I'm a little wrinkled. Ties, I look at you, I look at your faces, and think of your age, and I'm inclined to say, well, you're not much to look at, but you're all the Lord has. <laughs> Each of us has to face the matter. Either the church is true, or it is a fraud. There is no middle ground. It is the church and kingdom of God, or it is nothing. Less than a year ago, right here in Washington, D.C., my friend killed himself. He was Mormon and gay. You've gone on record saying that the church does not give apologies. Does religious freedom absolve you from responsibility in the gay Mormon suicide crisis? I think that's a question that will be answered in, on Judgment Day. I can't, uh, I can't answer that beyond what has already been said. Those things have to be judged by higher authority than exists on this earth. And I'm ready to be accountable to that authority. The rightness or wrongness of it, I'll be accountable to higher authority for that. That's the way I look on that one. And nobody is sadder about a case like that than, than I am. I hit my companion. Oh, is that all, I said in great relief. But I floored him, he said. After a little more uh, research into what had happened, my response was, well, thanks. Somebody had to do it, and it wouldn't... <laughs> and it wouldn't be well for a general authority to solve a problem in that way. Now, I'm not recommending that course to you, my young friends, but I'm not omitting it. You must... <laughs>
You must protect yourselves. Some suppose that they were preset and cannot overcome what they feel are inborn tendencies toward the impure and the unnatural. Not so. Why would our Heavenly Father do that to anyone? We do not make an, a judgment about someone's attraction. We don't know why that attraction came that way. And if I haven't done well enough to teach it, shame on me. We are not passing judgment, but we're not, we're not making them second-class citizens. There are no homosexual members of the church. Marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God. So we do not discriminate and we are not bigots. My wife is afraid I'm going to hit her with a bottle of water. <laughs> to do family history. That's why I believe the computer came into existence. That's why God revealed, and it doesn't, you don't have to be a member of the church to have spiritual insight and promptings, the creation of that tool, com the computer. And as soon as that surfaces for the purposes of God, what does the, the devil do on the, on the left side? Oh, he said, you're going to play that game? I'm in it. <laughs> I'll put on the internet filth. I'll put on ugliness. I'll put on spiritual destructive images. We'll call it pornography. It'll be awful. And anybody that goes there, I'll capture them. Dear brethren, we have reviewed the report of the financial operations of the Corporation of the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. May each of us emulate the Prophet Joseph's great example. He taught the truth. He lived the truth. He shared the truth. Bravo! Some say that karma is a bitch. Some say that karma is a bitch. To the big show.
entiendo poco, no sé De qué me hablas, pero me entono Al compás de tus palabras que dicen todo Oye, hoy gritaré por ti, por mí Que suenen todas las copas, guayando así Eso que dice danzal, danzal, guayo, guayo Danzal, danzal, prendido estoy de tu punani Lo que más me atrae de tu body Con ese movimiento crecería Welcome everyone to Ex-Mormon Live Great to be here. Great to have everybody out there. Just had a few last-minute preparations there, so sorry for a little delay in coming on the air here. But uh, again, uh, welcome to everyone uh, to Ex-Mormon Live. As always, we are being broadcast live uh, behind enemy lines, uh, you know, from the Vatican and Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. And we are being broadcast worldwide all across the globe on TuneIn Radio, to all 25 time zones around the world. Thanks to tune in. It's pretty awesome that we can do this. Thanks to the internet, right? Good thing that God created the internet. You know, I mean, I, we know that according to Boward, God created the internet and Satan created porn, but I don't know if they knew that we were coming along, but uh, apparently we're part of Satan's plan as well, right? Anyway, uh, this is the show for, oh, let's see, what is this? Monday morning, July 30th, 2018. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, to uh, you know, depending on where you're located on the planet Earth, this spinning globe that we call home. The phone number to call into the show tonight and each and every night is 435-363-9665, or simply 435-36-XMO5. And again, that's if you have comments, questions, and you want to be a part of the show, you're more than welcome to call in. Now, I probably won't be taking calls tonight until at least an hour into the show, uh, because I've got a lot of material I want to cover first before I start taking calls tonight, because um, I have a great show planned for you guys. So uh, I want to get through that, and then, uh, time permitting, I'll open up the phone lines tonight and take some calls if you guys want to call in. Uh, also, if you want to be a part of the show but you don't want to call in or you can't call in, you don't want people to hear your voice, or, you know, like I said, I actually get emails from people that say, like, you know, one woman said, I'm actually laying in bed with my true believing husband. I've got earphones in, you know, and I'm listening to your show. Obviously, she can't call in, right? I got people hiding out in the garage, uh, you know, listening to the show so that their other half doesn't know. I mean, it's amazing uh, the shit you have to do in Mormonism just to survive. You know, the cloak and dagger shit you got to do. So anyway, um, I understand if you can't call in, but you can Still be a part of the show by tweeting at, on Twitter at uh, hashtag ExmoLive or simply at ExMormon. You can leave tweets during the show. I try to read everybody's tweets as we go along. And I'll check them here in a minute, uh, see if we got anything. And also, uh, we do have a Facebook group. For those on Facebook, it's ExMormon Live. I'm going to try and be more active over there. I'll be posting the shows there every day. Um, so I'm going to try to, you know, be... I don't know, I've kind of uh, not been as active on Facebook as I should have been in the group, so I'll try to be there more often for you guys. Also, I'm ex-Mormon Live on Skype. So, uh, And one thing that I've always wanted to do, and I've never done it because I had lack of time, but I'm going to make sure I do it now. I'm going to make a concerted effort for you guys. I'm going to try and put the show out there every single morning. So I'm going to do the show, I'm going to work on it. If there's any editing I need to do, I'll do it, and I'll try and publish it. I'm going to take the time like right after the show to publish the show. And I'll have it out there for you guys by morning, so if you're driving to work and you want to listen to the show, you can. Uh, I'm going to try and make it available as soon as possible every day for everybody. And that's my goal. I'm going to put out the show every day, and I'm going to try to make up all the back shows as well. 
Uh, I mean, with 330 plus shows, it's probably going to take me, uh, I'm, I'm estimating, guesstimating between now and the end of the year, probably at least six months or so to get all the back shows out. But by the time I get all the back shows out, I'll have all the current shows out and we'll be caught up. So I'm going to really, really work hard, you guys, to do that for you. There's a lot of great shows that have only been heard live and they've never been downloaded. No one's ever heard them again. And we're going to get all those shows out there for you. Now, also, uh, one really cool thing that we have for everybody is the listener-only line. If you guys want to call in and listen to the show, not participate, but just listen to it. If you don't have a Wi-Fi connection or a lot of data, you can call into the show at 605-562-8064. Again, 605-562-8064. And you can listen whenever you want. The station's on 24-7, 365. You can call that number anytime. And then I break into the pre-recorded programming to do the live show each night. So uh, feel free to check that out anytime you want and listen for as long as you want. There are no limitations there. A lot of us have unlimited minutes right now, but we don't have unlimited data. We don't always have a Wi-Fi connection, but we have a cellular connection. So you can listen anytime, anywhere, and that's pretty cool. Um, also, if you need to personally email me, you can hit me up at xmormonlive at gmail.com. All right? Now, uh, all of this information is located over on xmormonlive.com. I'm going to be posting all the live shows there as well. The live shows are going to be posted everywhere, you guys. Um, I'm really excited about this because that's one of the things that I've regretted, you know, during this uh, two and a half going on three years I've been doing the show, is that I wasn't able to get all the shows out there for you guys. And so what I'm going to be doing, you know, each morning when I publish the show, it's going to go everywhere. I'm going to have to go put it over on my website, which I'll do. Uh, xmormonlive.com but it's also going to go out to twitter facebook youtube uh oh god what a, a stitcher um what's the other one there's another one uh it's going everywhere uh, i keep adding more on oh, google music it'll be there and very shortly probably within a week or two you'll be able to find all of my shows over on uh uh let's see here yeah, over on Spotify. They're going to be on Spotify as well, which has 120 million users approximately. So, again, we're going to be everywhere. We're going to have exposure. There's literally going to be, you know, a potential audience of, you know, a billion people. I mean, it's going to be all over the place. So I'm really, really excited about that. And thanks, you guys, for all that you do to support the show. And so when I put out these links every day, anything you can do to help me to spread these links to share these links i would really appreciate it i mean let's get the show out there all over the place if you're a big fan and you like what i talk about you like the way i do it let's go ahead and spread it like wildfire um, let's get the truth out there and let's uh let's, and, you know it's kind of funny the mormons are now trying to inoculate their members with you know lies uh they're trying to inoculate them against the truth with lies but what we're trying to do is we're trying to inoculate the world with the truth to counter the Mormon lies. So we're, we're going at it, and uh, I know we can win because we have the truth. We are winning. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're dying. They're like dying on the vine. So uh, let's keep it up and keep, uh, keep them on their toes. Uh, we have a lot of listeners out there tonight, so I just want to, again, tell everyone I really appreciate you. Thank you for, uh, for being there, and uh, you know I hope you enjoy the show tonight and each and every night. Whenever you can tune in, and if you can't, just download it, and you'll be uh, you'll be good. So, uh, yeah. So I kind of teased a little bit earlier today, like what I was going to talk about tonight, and 
You know, what, and it's a big question. You know, it's something that uh, has been out there for a long time. A lot of people wonder about it. Um, you know, I mean, I never wondered about it. I had no doubt, but of course, I was wrong. So what it is is, uh, you know, have these clowns, you know, the big fifteen, the big fifteen uh, apostles, you know, three are in the first presidency, one is the prophet. Have they ever seen Christ? Now. I had no doubt when I was a diehard Mormon that they saw Christ all the time. I mean, they're representatives of Christ. Now, I guess I should have figured out when I went around as a missionary saying that I was a true representative of Christ and that I had never seen Christ. Maybe I should have put two and two together. But, of course, you know, you're assuming, well, they're way above me, and so obviously they, you know, they, they see Christ. I mean, I used to believe that my asshole mission president saw Christ. You know, I, I was telling my wife earlier, I, all, the, all the shitty things he did to me, the way he treated the missionaries, um, you know, later finding out that he actually uh, put missionaries in a storage shed behind the mission home uh, for two weeks on bread and water only. I mean, it's fucking unbelievable, but he did it. I never knew about that while I was there. I just found that out, like, I don't know, a year ago um, from a guy who worked in the mission home, who was actually there when I arrived in the mission. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, he did what? I mean... Uh, I'm just glad they never tried that with me because, um, I don't know, I, I still might be in prison for, like, murder or something. I mean, I would have I would have fought my way out of that place and I would have raised hell like they'd never seen in their fucking lives. I mean, they tried to lock me up in a storage shed with bread and water. Not to mention it was probably contaminated water, you know. I mean, most of the water down there is contaminated. So, anyway, uh... Yeah, so, I, I mean, he would, all the things that he did to me, you know, all the things he did to other missionaries, uh, the conference he, he had one time where he just literally yelled and banged on the pulpit for a couple hours telling us how worthless we were, you know, and I just, and I wrote in my journal, I, I feel pure evil. I felt pure evil today, and I don't know, like, I, I was really, I was having a hard time because I was, like, trying to stay positive and be faith-promoting, but yet tell the truth which they don't want you to do, don't ever tell the truth, especially to your parents or in your journal. Um, and so I, I, I mean, I just remember writing, it's really hard for me to write this because I know he was called directly by Christ, but man, I felt nothing but pure evil today. I mean, this is in my journal, and I was a diehard true believer, never doubting ever, you know, until 2005. So I certainly wasn't doubting on my mission, but I was conflicted, man. I was confused because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, how can a man called of Christ be so combative and so nasty and vile and, and, and say such terrible things and treat us so poorly as missionaries? It was, it was shocking to me. Uh, you know, and he had already done some shit, you know, but the worst was yet to come for me personally, the way he treated me. Uh, I was a zone leader at the time, and I remember, you know, we had a zone of like 28 missionaries, and I remember just looking around, and I mean, it wasn't helping, it wasn't motivating, uh... I mean, it was like a tragedy, you know, in the making. All these poor guys were just going, man, you know, I didn't realize I was that big of a piece of shit, you know. Um, I mean, we're there volunteering our time and our money, our families are sacrificing. What gives them the right to treat us that way? I mean, come on, man. Are you kidding me? I mean, but and we can't, we can't question you. We can't, you know, I mean, like, like Dallin Hoke says, even if the criticism's true, you can't criticize them. They're beyond reproach. It's like, wow, oh my God, I mean, seriously? And so, so all of this would happen, right? And then I would write my mission journal, you know, a month later, 
you know, two months later, six months later, I know my mission president. It was called directly by Christ. I mean, that's how deep in it I was. You know, I could have all these bad experiences, but I, the, the problem is you, you had to, I mean, it's the cognitive dissonance. You had to find a way to explain it or just ignore it and move on and say he's called of Christ and a story. You know, he had a bad day. Uh, you know, you know they, they love to say, oh, they're just men, you know. They make mistakes. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do. Their shit does stink, you know. I mean, that's basically what they're saying all the time, uh, which in reality what they're really saying is, and, and actually these guys now are saying that, you know, we're just men like everybody else. I, I was reading, and I think I might have played some audio the other night, I can't remember right now. I cover so much material. Uh, I'd have to find it again. But I was playing a reading where they literally have said, we're just men. You know, like, I, I can't think right now what that, who that was. It might have been Ballard. I think it's Ballard. You know, like saying, you know, we cannot lead you astray. But at the same time, we're just regular guys. Um, you know, maybe it was Oaks. I can't remember. But anyway, they, you know, I mean, they, they literally have come out recently and said, we're just men like you. It's like, well, then why the fuck am I following you? Why would I follow you? It, why would I give you 10% of my money if you're just like me? Oh, I, oh, let's see. That's what it was. It was like, uh, oh, hell, who was it, man? It drives me nuts when I can't remember. But they, they literally said, because somebody asked him, um, how do you get answers to your prayers? I think it was a hoax, Dallin hoax. And he said, just like you. You know, we, uh, you know, we pray. You know, it might even be in the audio. It might have been in my show prep for the night. It might be in the audio of the Boise Rescue that I'm going to play for you guys. I, I mean, wow. So just like us, like they pray. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is in the audio tonight now that I think about it. So basically, uh, they don't see Christ. They just basically pray like we do and get answers like we do. And that's it. And so my question is, why would you follow these guys? It, it's incredible. It really, really is. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You know, have they seen Christ? Now, you know, in my opinion, being an atheist, I don't even believe in Christ or God. Um, for those of you that do, I mean, you know, that's if that's what you need and you believe that, I mean, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you that you can't, but I have a lot of reasons why I don't. And anyway, if, if Christ, is, you know, was real and all that, I, I guess the main question would be, do they claim to have seen Christ? You know, whether he's real or not real, or you believe in him or don't believe in him, it's irrelevant. Do they claim to have seen him? Do, do they claim to represent him? Yes. And the Boise Rescue, to me, like, what Dallin Hoax had to say in the Boise Rescue is downright shocking to me. I, I mean, again, I, I saw a tweet earlier somewhere where uh, it said that the Dallin Hoax has basically just turned the church into a bunch of legalese, you know? It's just a bunch of, I mean, it's being run by Curtin and McConkie, and he's like the head lawyer, you know, and uh, he used to be on the Utah Supreme Court. And so basically all the church really is anymore is a bunch of lawyers calling the shots, uh, making up documents, uh, threatening people, suing people, defending themselves against sex abuse. You know, good old David J. Jordan, piece of shit lawyer that I talked about last night, or uh, when did I talk about Thursday, on Thursday I did a show on him. And I put up some pictures of him today on Twitter, you know, so everybody could see this guy. This is the guy the church is leaning on to defend them against sexual abuse and atrocities. And, and I mean, it doesn't matter if they committed him. He's just there to get him off, you know. He's there to threaten people. He's there to create dossiers that destroy lives. He's there to expose children 
that were, uh, you know, adopted out and sealed documents. He's there to expose their names. I mean, this guy is a huge steaming piece of dog shit, right? But he's their guy. Oh, and it just so happens, I found out today uh, a little bit on him before I get into the show here. He was the mission president from 2012 to 2015 in London, England. It's like, lo and behold, he was the mission president over there. Holy shit, you know? So, I mean, I did a little research on this guy. I wanted to know who he was. And uh, I put up a video today of him uh, on, because uh, they did a, you know, the song Glorious by uh, Archuleta. Well, they did a video of it, the London, England mission. And right at the end of the video, he sing, it's him and his wife singing Glorious. And I'm going to play it for you guys here. It's just like a little clip, literally like, what, five seconds maybe? And they're like, you know, isn't it glorious or something? And I'm like, uh, no, no, it's not. What you're doing right now, uh, re-victimizing the victims of sexual abuse by Mormon leaders, it's appalling. It is absolutely appalling. It's sickening. And uh, it's hard to believe that you're doing it, but, you know. That's what they do. I mean, that's that's what they're all about, is uh, you know, making victims, revictimizing the victims. Um, it's really incredible. Uh, so let's uh, let me pull that up here real quick. Just take me one second here, and I'll play it for you guys so you can hear it. Um, you know, I, I just want you to hear. They're not that good of singers either, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm not one to be critical of other people, but you know, this guy, come on, and his wife. I mean, they're singing. Uh, let's see here, uh, let me just pull it up real quick, uh, yeah, and you can see the pictures of this guy that I posted on my Twitter over at ExMormon, and let's see, where is this video here for you guys, um, where did it go, maybe it got taken down, oh no, there it is, <laughs> nope, that's not it, hang on, where the hell is it, uh, there we go, there we go, it just had to pop up. Yeah, so I've got it. I've got it right at the spot where uh, David J. Jordan and his wife, uh, what's her name, uh, Holly Lynn Garrett Jordan. Apparently, she kept her last name and added his to it. Holly Lynn Garrett Jordan. Wow, that's a mouthful, right? Um, apparently, she's proud of him. You know, she's proud of her husband defending sex abusers. So, uh, I guess they have four children. That's unfortunate, you know, because they they are pro sex abusers. So. They probably shouldn't have ever had children, if that's the way they feel. And, you know, she doesn't have a problem with him. So, anyway, let me just play this for you guys. Turn it up here for you. And uh, this is, uh, again, David J. Jordan. All right, here we go. And each one of us, oh, it's No, it's not. It's not glorious, David. It's uh, it's horrible. It's horrific what you're doing. And I mean, again, I mean, they're going after, you know, McKenna Denson. Uh, they exposed her daughter's name, who was in a sealed, uh, a sealed adoption. Uh, I mean, it's just really sad, you know. Uh, but I mean, that's how low they're willing to go. They're willing to do whatever it takes. So anyway, I just wanted to let people know about that. He is the church's main man. Uh, so he came off his mission as mission president, and then he became the church's uh, go-to guy to defend them against the Navajo Nation sex abuse cases, against McKenna Denson, and anyone else that might come along and say, I was raped by my bishop, I was raped by my state president or a general authority. It doesn't matter. 
He is their guy. Guilt does not matter. Um, he said in an article that I read last night that the church is in no way uh, responsible for punishing the people that are accused of this sex abuse. Uh, and that apparently covers even if it's true and it happened. So there you go. Uh, I don't know how you look yourself in the, in the mirror every morning, dude, but uh, you are one sick fuck. All right, so let's get back to the topic here. You know, have they ever seen Christ? Do they claim to have seen Christ? Well, I put out a tweet earlier today that was uh, really shocking when it came out. And it was, um, uh, you know, basically Monson on Facebook. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you guys. I mean, he was the, you know, the uh, P-R-O-F-I-T, you know, the prophet uh, at the time. And basically he was being, you know, he was asking the question, you know, if, if basically if Jesus Christ came to see him. So here we go. This was uh, March 13th of, I don't know what year this was. What year was this? 2017? When did he die? I can't remember. Oh, God. I try to forget, but did he die? Was it this year he died? Uh, let's see. Let me just look it up real quick. Uh, I think it was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, January. Let's see. He died, yeah, January 2nd. Uh, of this year. So basically this would have been March of I believe 2017. It could have been 16, but I'm pretty sure it was 2017. And on his Facebook page, and apparently these guys don't write their own Facebook pages, I don't know, but hey, you're responsible for whatever's on there. So anyway, uh, I mean he could have said, you know, uh, here put this on my Facebook. I don't know. But it says from time to time the question has been posed if Jesus appeared to you today, what questions would you ask him? My answer has always been, I would not utter a word. <laughs> like the pussy he was, right? I would listen to him. So he's a big tough guy when he's kicking uh, the LGBTQ plus out of the choir, out of the orchestra at Temple Square. You know, he's a big tough guy going around, you know, cleansing, every, the, the, cleansing the church. Uh, of anyone that's gay, LGBTQ, you know, boom, you guys are gone. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, he's a real tough guy when he's making new doctrine, and I do believe that it came from him. He was still coherent at the time. And, you know, there's debate about that, but I believe that he was aware of it. I do. I mean, it just started long before. I mean, this guy was doing electroshock and vomit therapy with hardcore porn on BYU campus, hand-in-hand hand with Oaks in the 70s. So there's no question that this guy's been anti-gay his entire life and and you know at least for the last 40 years he was you know putting it into practice so why would i think that the gay hate doctrine didn't come from monson if it didn't come from him it was certainly representing his wishes that's for sure right i mean anyway uh yeah so so basically you know he's been asked you know what would if christ appeared to you today what questions would you ask him he wouldn't ask a thing he'd just listen uh, but he says, down through the generations of time, the message from Jesus has been the same. So if it's always the same, then why do we need you, right? We don't need you then. I mean, if it's the same damn thing from the beginning of time until now, then fuck off and uh, give me back my money. Uh, he said to Peter, by the shores of Gal beautiful Galilee, he said, follow me. Yeah, and he, and he also threw in, you know, hate your mother, hate your brother, hate your father, hate your sister, and follow me, right? He left that out, but that, that is important. I don't know if he said it at that point, but I know he said it. It's in multiple Gospels. Uh, to Philip of old came the call, follow me. To Levi, who sat at receipt of customs, came the instruction, follow me. 
and to you and me, if we but listen, shall come that same beckoning invitation, follow me. So there you go. I mean, can you imagine Christ comes down and he's like right before you and you're like, he's like, how you doing, Tommy? And he's just like, you know, struck dumb. Like he can't talk. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to say a word. I mean, he's going to do like a Charlie Chaplin, you know, maybe he could start dancing around the room and, you know, pretend he has on a, a little mustache. I mean, come on, man. Why wouldn't you take advantage of this opportunity? So that tells you who the leader of the Mormons was back then. But when it comes to the gays, when it comes to apostates, oh, baby, you're going down. You're going down to Lynn. You're going down, Kate Kelly. You're going down, Rock Waterman. We're going to take you out. Oh, but it's a local issue, right? They had nothing to do with that. The, the top people are like, John who? Rock who? Uh, Kate what? Kate Kelly? Who is she? Oh, yeah, right. They had no idea who these people were. And they had no involvement in their excommunications or their courts, right? I mean, wow, you got to be naive. Like I said last night, naive like a two-year-old. Even a two-year-old might be smarter than that, actually. Uh, anyway, so there you have it. Monson basically admitting that he'd never seen Christ. Because why would he say that he's asked the question, you know, if Christ appeared to you today, what questions would you ask of him? And then he, his, you know, his answer has always been, I would not utter a word. So he's saying, if it happened, this is what I would do, which means it's never happened. He didn't say, well, when it happened, I just sat there and said nothing. No, he didn't say that. Um, you know, I would listen to him, whatever. Uh, no, no, he didn't say that. He's saying, if it happened, this is what I would do. So that means it never happened. I think that's pretty clear. So, so again, you, you know, you like wonder, have they ever seen Christ? Now, again, growing up, I had no doubt, you know, that they saw Christ. I mean, they, they stand at the pulpit in general conference after general conference and say, we are special witnesses of Christ. You know, we are special witnesses of Christ. And again, I'm going to share with you what Dallin Hoeks had to say. For those of you that haven't heard it, and you're going to hear it, and I'm going to read it to you in the Boise Rescue that will, like, be shocking to most, you know? I mean, I mean, did you know that they're not actually called to testify of Christ the person? I mean, they're not actually called to testify of Christ, uh, you know, as if they've seen him. I, I didn't know that. I wish I had known that, you know? I mean, I wouldn't have gone on a mission if I'd known that. I mean, there's a lot of things that would have kept me from my mission had I known them. And God, I wish I would have known them, you know? Um... It's pretty shocking. I'm also going to explain in a little bit, once I get through this, I want to explain to everybody why it is. It took some thinking. I had to really ponder this because, you know, you ask yourself, well, why wouldn't they just lie? I mean, you know, they're basically admitting that they haven't seen Christ. Why wouldn't they just come out and say, hell yeah, man, I see him every time I walk into the Holy of Holies. He's sitting there eating crackers and cheese and we sit down and we, uh, you know, we play and play a game and I ask him, you know, what do you think about the gays? And, you know, I mean, why wouldn't they say that? But I'll, I'll explain to you why in a little while. I finally realized, I believe, the answer as to why they can't lie about it. Because they lie about everything else, so why wouldn't they lie about seeing Christ? Well, it would get them in some deep trouble, and I'll explain that in a little bit here. All right, so uh, moving on here. Uh, and I found a great uh, video. Let's see, hang on one second. I found a great video from back in the, God, I think it's the 70s here. Let me uh, verify it. Um, I 
think it's the 70s. Let me just uh, let me just open it and see here. I'm not going to play it right this second, but I just want to look and see. I think it has a date on it. Um, yeah, let's see here. Hmm, I don't know. I, I got to get a date on it for you guys. Uh, let's see here. Let me just... Uh, I might have multiple copies over here, so I can probably... I might be able to look at a date here real quick. Let me just look. Um, God, I'm not sure now. Anyway, it's back in the 70s, and it's it's Boyd K. Packer talking about this very issue. And so there's a common theme that they like to use that you're going to hear in the Boise clip and also in this clip of Packer from back in the 70s. And what what they like to say now is it's too sacred to talk about. Uh, you know, like, have you seen Christ? Well, I'd like to tell you, but I can't. It's too sacred to talk about. And again, it's just bullshit, you know, I mean, come on, too sacred to talk about. And I'll get into that too uh, in a minute. But I want to play these clips for you guys and comment on them. And then I'll get more into all the other things that were uh, that I'm throwing out here. But yeah, I mean, too sacred to talk about. Now, why would that be? Hmm. All right. So let me go ahead and uh, let's play. Um, I think I'll play Packer first and I'll have to locate a, a date and time on this. Let me just uh, double check the... Uh, properties on this one see if I can find the date on it uh, let's see if it's in the information and it is not damn it all right <laughs> anyway trust me back in the 70s well I'll, I'll locate it I don't want to do it right now but I'll, I'll find out for you and let you know tomorrow but anyway here's uh here's a, an oldie but goodie uh, Boyd KKK Packer and he's going to tell you you know why uh, he can't talk about it. You know, it's too sacred. Now, and, and again, I, I just want to say before I play this, the reason that they're saying this, the reason they're saying, oh, it's too sacred to talk about, we can't talk about it, the reason is because, well, I mean, first of all, they haven't seen him, right? But they want to create like a mystique or they want to create, uh, you know, mystery and they want people to just assume, infer you know, that they've seen Christ. They want people to believe in the magic. And so they don't want to be too specific. They just kind of want to leave it up to everyone to, you know, ponder for themselves. Like, oh, wow, I mean, that's heavy. It's too sacred. It's so, it's so sacred they can't talk about it, you know. Uh, you know, and so they, they just want to create this aura, you know, of secrecy and sacredness. And, you know, like, you know, boy... If only you knew what, what I talked with Christ about. If only you knew, but I just can't tell you. You know, so people love that shit. They eat it up, you know. I, I don't know why. I, I find it offensive personally, but, but they love it. They're like, oh, man, that's so cool. I mean, so, oh, so they do see Christ, but they just can't talk about it. Okay, gotcha. Um, anyway, um, let's go ahead and listen to Packer here. And it's really, uh, it's about a minute and a half long, and uh, I think you guys will find this to be fascinating. I don't know if anyone's ever played this before on a show, or if anyone's ever heard this before, but that's what I like to do. I like to bring you guys things that are kind of uh, obscure, and but powerful, and not always known or heard. Uh, but all that stuff's out there. I mean, we barely even tapped, like, I don't know, point zero 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 one percent of what's out there. I mean, there's so much to discuss. There's so much on LDS.org. There's so many talks. I mean, again, I got enough material to do this show for the next 30 years. And that doesn't even count the new material that will be forthcoming. 
you know, each and every day, week, month, year, you know, all the shit that's going to happen that hasn't even happened yet. I mean, that, you know, you got the news. I mean, I, there was a bunch of news stuff I could have covered tonight, but I wanted to get right into this. I'll do that tomorrow, maybe. Anyway, uh, and tomorrow I'm going to have a, a special show. Um, hopefully, uh, I, I talked with Demon of Co-op, and he wants to call in and, and do a show on uh, Sunstone that they just had. He actually went and was able to hear some of the talks, so uh, you can look forward to that tomorrow, hopefully, if everything works out. All right, so uh, here we go. Good old Boyd, Mr. Little Factory himself, uh, obsessed with little boys' penises and promoting the physical violence and knocking down of anyone you might think is gay. Uh, yeah, here he is, and he's talking now about Christ and whether it's too sacred to see Christ. All right, here it is. Occasionally during this past year, I have been asked a question. Usually it comes as a curious sometimes almost as an idle question thinks he's so important about the qualification of one to stand as a special witness of Christ the question they ask is have you seen him that is a question that I have never asked of another I have not asked that question of my brethren in the quorum thinking that it would be so sacred and so personal that one would have to have a special inspiration, even a special authorization, even to ask it. You know, there are some things that are just too sacred to discuss. There you go, folks. We know that as it relates to our temples. I'm going to play this again. I'm going to play it a second time. I just want to hear it again. Like I wanted to really sink in here what he's saying. And by the way, I found it. It was... Uh, the Tuesday morning session, back when they did Tuesday morning sessions of General Conference, uh, April 6th of 1971. Man, they, I mean, they were working hard back then. I mean, hell, they've, they've scaled it back now. I mean, they just figure they're not getting paid enough to do like four or five days of conference, you know? I mean, hell, they're cutting back the penis hood session and the relief society session, the, you know, the, the penis hood and the vagina sessions. I mean, they've been cut back to once a year. Anyway. Here we go. In our temple, sacred ordinances are performed. Oh, yeah. Sacred experiences are enjoyed. Sacred death penalties at that time, you know, up until 1991, where you agreed to, you know, slit your throat, chest, and disembowel yourself before giving up the secrets, it said, the secrets of the temple. Yeah, that's really sacred, man. That's so sacred. I'm going to uh, commit sa you know, a sacred right to slit my throat. I mean, wow. And yet, we do not discuss them because of the nature of them. Yeah, because they're outside of those sacred walls. God, unbelievable. It is not that they are secret, <laughs> but they are sacred. So why did it say secret in the temple? Don't reveal the secret to the temple, or you should slit your throat, cut your chest open, or disembowel yourself. Or maybe they were going to have it done for you. I don't know which. I, I could never quite understand if, if I was going to do it or if, if they were going to have somebody do it, you know? Like, should I slip my own throat or should I let them come slip my throat? I mean, how does that work, you know? I mean, apparently they're still back in the day-night times at that point, you know? Uh, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like, okay, we're going to give you the opportunity to slit your own throat and disembowel yourself. Um, or we can have it done for you. It's up to you. How, how do you want to handle it, sir? Uh, I'll go ahead and take care of it, you know. Yeah, no problem. I'll slip my own throat. Thank you. 
and then you know and then i'd run like hell <laughs> get the fuck out of there you know <laughs> it's just like uh sure sure I'll, I'll take care of it i got it yeah no worries oh my god i mean can you imagine i mean how sick right Things not to be discussed, but to be harbored and to be protected and to be regarded with the deepest of reverence. And that's not, those aren't secrets. Okay, let me go ahead and I'm going to play the whole thing again. I'm going to shut up and just let you guys listen to it, all right? I'm going to play it again. I was probably distracting you, so let's play it again and then we'll go on to the next one. Occasionally during this past year, I have been asked a question. Usually it comes as a curious, sometimes almost as an idle question, about the qualification of one to stand as a special witness of Christ. The question they ask is, have you seen him? That is a question that I have never asked of another. I have not asked that question of my brethren in the quorum, thinking that it would be so sacred and so personal that one would have to have a special inspiration, even a special authorization, even to ask it. You know, there are some things that are just too sacred to discuss. We know that as it relates to our temples. In our temples, sacred ordinances are performed, sacred experiences are enjoyed, and yet we do not discuss them because of the nature of them outside of those sacred walls. It is not that they are secret, but they are sacred. Things not to be discussed, but to be harbored and to be protected and to be regarded with the deepest of reverence. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. There's a uh, good old Packer. Letting us know that it's just too sacred to talk about. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and just kind of talk about it for a minute here. Um, what did he, So again, I mean, uh, just kind of going through what he had to say, you know, uh, and, and I wanted to point out, too, the reason he was saying during the past year is because he had just been called to be uh, an apostle. He was, you know, part of the Quorum of the Twelve, and he was called, uh, I guess, in April of 1970. And so he says he starts out by saying, "It was one year ago today in a solemn assembly that we had the privilege of raising our hands to sustain me, <laughs> the authorities of the church, uh, much as we have done this morning." It was on that April morning that I heard my name read as one presented for. Your sustaining vote as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. So, I mean, again, they love to point out how important they are. And he said, It became my obligation to stand with those other living men who have been called as special witnesses of Christ upon the earth. And, of course, he sustained himself, I'm sure. Um, well, you know, and then he talks about, Why was I called? You know, it seemed accidental at times that I was preserved in worthiness you know like he never masturbated never had dirty thoughts what a blessing you know mr little factory uh, i mean again get your mind out of the little boy's pants that you were talking about uh yet there was always the constant quiet lingering feeling about being guided and being prepared so anyway uh 
Moving on here, let's go down to where he was talking about the, you know, have you seen him? He says, occasionally during the past year, I've been asked that question, you know, it comes as a curious, almost an idle question. I mean, he's basically ripping on the people that would even dare to, to ask that question. Um, hang on just one moment. Okay, that might be a little too loud, but I guess we'll see. Anyway, um, he said that they asked the question, uh, you know, have you seen him? That is a question I have never asked of another. I have not asked that of my brethren in the quorum, thinking that it would be so sacred and so personal. You know, again, he's like talking like you need to have like a recommend, you know, to even ask the question. He said that you would have to have some special inspiration, indeed, some authorization to even ask it. Why? I mean, why would it be such a secret? I mean, you're like the 12 apostles, man, and you've got secrets from each other. Like, hey, I, I think he saw Christ. I don't know. But I mean, have you seen him? I mean, you can't even ask each other that basic question. Like, why? Um, and again, and he goes into the whole, there are some things that's too sacred to discuss. We know that as it relates to the temples, in our temples, sacred ordinances are not performed. Or, <laughs> yeah, oops. Yeah, I guess that's true. Sacred ordinances are not performed. Now, he said they are performed. Uh, sacred experiences are enjoyed, and yet we do not, because of the nature of them, discuss them outside those sacred walls. And I, I love, I just love the part where he says, it's not, uh, it, it is not that they are secret, but they are sacred. I mean, that, that's where, you know, Mormons get this shit from. They always say that. Oh, it's not a secret, it's just sacred. No, I mean, the temple actually said that you could not reveal the secrets of the temple. That's what the ceremony said, literally. Secrets. Uh, they've taken that out now. It doesn't say secrets anymore. Uh, it says not to be discussed, but to be harbored and to be protected and regarded with the deepest of reverence. Yeah, well, the temple videos are now all over YouTube, all over the Internet. People have seen them. So they're no longer, uh, quote unquote, sacred anymore. Everyone that wants to see it can see it. It used to be just the audio. And now we have the video. So that's great. All right. So there you go. Uh, there's Packer talking about how sacred... Uh, not secret, it is, uh, the question as to whether he saw Christ or not. And again, it's, it's almost offensive to him that, that somebody would dare ask the question. Like, why? Why would that be offensive? I mean, you, you stand in the pulpit in general conference after general conference and say, I am a special witness of Christ. Well, okay, so that's not so secret. I mean, let me just scroll down to the bottom of the talk here and see what he says about that. Um, I mean, look, the final paragraph, I mean, I knew he would go there. I haven't even read it. Uh, it says, I declare to you that I know that Jesus is the Christ. How do you know that? You haven't seen him. Well, you can't talk about it. Um, I know that he lives. He was born in the meridian of time. He taught, this, he taught his gospel. He was tried. He was crucified. He rose on the third day. He was the first fruits of the resurrection. He has a body of flesh and bone. I mean, he sure knows a lot for having never seen him. Uh, I mean, it's too sacred to talk about whether you saw him or not, but yet you know that Jesus is the Christ, you know that he lived, that he was crucified, that he rose again, that you know he was uh, the first fruits of the resurrection, his body is flesh and bone. How do you know he has a body of flesh and bone? Have you felt it? Oh, wait, that's too sacred to talk about. I'm going to throw all this shit out there, but I can't tell you how I know it. Uh, of this I bear testimony. Of him I am a witness. Oh, he's a witness of him in the name of... Jesus Christ, of course. Amen. So, there you go. Um, that's Packer. Now, moving on to the Boise Rescue, it became a really fascinating uh, situation 
in Boise because basically you guys have heard of the Swedish rescue with Hans, uh, Hans, you know, and his wife and Brigida. I mean, awesome couple. Um, I'm glad he's doing well. He had some uh, heart surgery a while back, and um, he appears to be doing well as far as I know. And I'm happy about that. A great couple. Uh, he's a great man. I really respect him. The interview he did with the New York Times was just uh, damning as hell uh, to the church. And, I mean, again, he was a, you know, a big-time leader in the church. So, anyway, um, let's see here. Let me just get this audio ready where I need to be here um, real quick. So it'll be ready for you guys when I go to play it. All right. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. Um, so anyway, you know, uh, we're moving on to the Boise Rescue, but uh, I, want you, I just want you to hear what Oaks had to say. And, and uh, the Swedish Rescue was, you know, a fiasco. They, uh, you know, they sent the church historian over there, and uh, the same guy, uh, let's see, what was his name? Hang on, let me just pull up the transcript, I have it right here. The, uh, let's see here, yeah, Richard E. Turley, you know, he went over there with Marlon K. Jensen to Sweden, and it was just a complete fucking debacle, I mean, it was a joke. Uh, basically, what these rescues are trying to do is to rescue people because they're in apostasy and they're, they're learning the truth and they're finding out that Joseph Smith married little girls and other men's wives and, you know, all these things are coming out and they're like, I didn't know that. You know, he never used the, the Urim and Thummim to translate the plates. He used a rock, you know, that he found in a lady's well. And, I mean, everyone's finding out all this stuff and they're shocked, just like most of us were. And so... They, they tried to do the same thing in Boise. They tried to do a Boise rescue because there was a lot of problems going on in Boise. So you have the state president, and then you have uh, Dallin Hoax went to this one, and then again you have Richard Turley. Richard Turley is a tool. I mean, this guy, he, he's just a piece of shit, too. I mean, this guy will defend anything and everything. So throughout a lot of this, you've got Turley throwing out questions that people are asking, and then you've got down hoax attempting to answer said questions um so the beginning of it you have the state president who says you know it is uh, in our unique opportunity i think you must have said it's our unique opportunity uh, to be here together in the setting to acknowledge the presence of down h oaks down hoax of the quorum of the 12 apostles who will be presiding at our devotional this evening we also recognize brother richard e turley assistant church historian who will be presenting things this evening with Elder Oaks. We also acknowledge the presence of Sister Christian Oaks and Sister Turley. Yeah, they just get to sit there and keep their mouths shut and their legs together, right? Uh, because, you know, like Bedner's wife, you know, Susan Bedner says, you know, hey, you can see to high heaven right up all the girls' skirts. So we don't want, you know, if she's in the audience, we don't want her, like, looking into high heaven. Um, let's see, uh... We will begin the evening by singing on page three. Now let us rejoice. Uh, let's see here. And then they got the people leading the music. And then following the hymn, we will have the invocation. And then they turn the time over to Oaks. And at the conclusion, they will sing, Who's on the Lord's Side? Oh, that's appropriate, right? At, at the end of this uh, rescue opportunity attempt, we're going to sing, Who's on the Lord's Side? 
And who isn't on the Lord's side? If you're not, then you're an apostate. Get the fuck out. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so this gets, uh, this gets pretty good because they get down to the point where they're, again, they're asking about Christ and if, if they have seen Christ. And uh, I'm just going to get to that part um, so I can uh, follow along with the audio and, and then we can talk about that. It's, it's really amazing. It really is. I mean, these guys... Um, and, and, the, and again, you're going to have Turley, he's going to be throwing out, you know, the question, uh, a claim that people make, and then you're going to have Oaks respond, and uh, again, I find it staggering and somewhat stunning what he has to say. So let's go ahead and, uh, and play that. And then I want to talk about why it shouldn't be, you know, too sacred for them to talk about. There's a very obvious reason why. Like, if it's okay in this case, and it should be okay in that case, right? Like... Why would only their experience be too sacred to talk about? But other people's experience, hey, we talk about that all day long. I mean, go figure. All right, so uh, here we go. I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you guys hear this. Uh, I think it's about, um, let's see here. Yeah, it's, I think it's about about three, you know, about two and a half minutes long. So anyway, we got Turley and then we got Oaks, Dallin Hoax. All right, here we go. Another claim we sometimes hear is that current apostles have no right to run the affairs of the church since they do not meet the New Testament standard of apostles Good point. because they do not testify of having seen Christ. The first answer to this claim is that modern apostles are called to be witnesses of the name of Christ in all the world. Doctrine and Covenants 107.23 this is not to witness of a personal manifestation. Okay, so you basically have Dallin Hoax admitting right here that they do not see Christ, that there is no witness of a personal manifestation. But this is a part that really shocked me. I mean, think about that. You know, he said, the first answer to this claim is that modern apostles are called to be witnesses of the name of Christ in all the world. So not as a witness of a personal manifestation. So when they say that they are witnesses of, the special witnesses of Christ, they're not claiming about a personal manifestation at all. I mean, when have they ever said this? Ever, you know? But yet they're just testifying of a guy's name, the, the name of Christ. Not the real guy, you know, not that they've seen him or they can verify that he's real. They're just simply testifying of his name. Well, anyone can do that. I mean, Joe blow down the street, I could do it, you could do it. So why the hell would you be following these guys and, and doing it when, you know, anyone could do that? I mean, that's what's supposed to set them apart. They're special witnesses of Christ, but actually it's just the name of Christ, not the guy Christ. Because there, again, is no witness of a personal, personal manifestation. I just found that incredible. Here we go. To witness of the name is to witness of the plan, the work, or mission, such as the atonement, and the authority or priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which an apostle who holds the keys is uniquely responsible to do. I mean, how can you be a witness to all that? A witness of his name, uh, which is to witness of the plan, which is a witness of the work or the mission, 
such as the atonement that you know nothing about, uh, the authority or priesthood of Christ, you know, and, and then he talks about how he holds these unique keys, and, you know, and responsibilities, but yet there's no witness of a personal manifestation. So you've never seen the guy, you've never heard the guy, but you're testifying of the guy, and you're claiming that, you know, you are a special witness of him when you've never seen him in your life. I mean, in other words, they truly are no different than anybody else, other than maybe they think they hear voices in their head, but my guess is they probably don't. And, you know, and they say that, you know, uh, members, Ballard is famous for saying that members can receive the same revelation they receive. It's like, really? Then why would we follow you? I mean, it always comes back to the same question. You know, if we are so equal, why would we follow you? And why would we give you 10% of our money, more like 15 to 20% of our money when you factor in the donations? Why would we literally starve our family, not feed our children, not pay our bills, not pay our rent, not pay our car payment, don't pay water and electricity and gas in order to pay tithing and hope that it all works out? Why would we do that? Why would we risk our lives, our family, our well-being to fund your lifestyle, your six-figure incomes, maybe seven? I'm not convinced that what we've seen is accurate. I'm sure it's a lot more than that. that I mean, maybe they get ten different pay stubs. You know, we just saw one. That doesn't mean it's the only one. I haven't seen anyone talk about that, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm like, oh, please. They get a lot more than that. Plus, they get their book deals and their royalties from their books. And I mean, these guys are making millions. I mean, they're raking it in. All their kids are getting free education, their grandkids. I mean, everyone's taken care of from the cradle to the grave. Um, so, I mean, it's just amazing to me. It's like, wow. Um, I mean, I, I don't see where they're qualified for anything. All right. I mean, they all they are is what they say they are. I mean, they're, but they're not really what they say they are, but that people believe whatever they say. So if they say, I'm a special witness of the name of Christ, then they are. But next time you hear them say that, if you hear somebody say, I'm a special witness of the name of Christ, you'll realize what they're saying. They're not saying I'm a special witness of Christ or of the manifestation of Christ or that I've seen Christ. I'm just testifying of this guy's name. Hi, I'm a special witness of John Smith. Hi, I'm a special witness of Billy Bob. You know, I mean, it's just a name. It's a name. It's a famous name. Hi, I'm a special witness of uh, Moses, you know? Okay. I mean, what does that mean? So, uh, again, it doesn't mean anything if you haven't really seen him. So, here we go. Of course, apostles are also witnesses of Christ, just like all members of the church who have the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, see, that's what I was talking about earlier. I'm glad it is in this talk, uh, in this uh, Boise Rescue. So... Apostles are also witnesses of Christ, just like all members of the church who have the gift of the Holy Ghost. So in other words, every baptized member of the church, you know, is given the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, again, you have to be worthy to have it, the constant companionship of that Holy Ghost. But every single person that is baptized is given the quote-unquote gift of the Holy Ghost. So, therefore... Uh, every member of the church is an equal witness of Christ, just like they are. There's no difference between us and them. Amazing. Wow. Who knew, right? <laughs> I mean, he, does he realize that he just dumbed himself down to the level of the average Mormon and, uh, you know, anywhere in the world, South America, Africa, people that don't even know anything about the church and 
the missionaries just rushed him into baptism and gave him the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they don't have a fucking clue. But guess what? They are just as much of a witness of Christ as Dallin Hoax himself. Wow. This is because the mission of the Holy Ghost is to witness of the Father and the Son. <laughs> In addition, while some early apostles and other members of the church have had the sublime spiritual experience of seeing the Savior, and some have made a public record of this. Yeah, why can't you? In the circumstances of today, we are counseled not to speak of our most sacred spiritual experiences. And, and who is counseling them not to speak of them? Curtin and McConkie? I mean, they answer to no one but themselves. Like, who is, who, I mean, who is this other person? Is it Christ? I mean, is he saying, hey, don't talk about it? Don't, don't tell everyone that you just saw me, you know? And then he like, you know, he's like, hey, can you bring me a, a double scoop of ice cream, uh, chocolate, and vanilla? I mean, I'm just, I mean, who, who is telling them that they can't talk about it? They're telling themselves that. I mean, they're the ones that set the rules. They answer to nobody. So who in the world will be telling them that unless they're under the control of somebody else, which they obviously are? And he just admitted it. You know, he just admitted that somebody else is telling them not to talk about their sacred experiences. Um, I mean, is it the current prophet? Is it Curtin and McConkie? I mean, who is it? Um, and, and it's really fascinating because he talks about how, you know, others have claimed, you know, early apostles and other members, other members of the church, like regular members, right, have had the sublime spiritual experience of seeing the Savior. Like, why would a regular member of the church see Christ, but they haven't? Uh, so, I mean, have you seen him or not, Dallin? I mean, just come clean. I mean, come on. But he said that uh, in the circumstances of today, we are counseled not to speak of our most sacred spiritual experiences. And as soon as he's done here, then I'll elaborate on why they can't talk about it and why they, and why they can't lie about it, because I'm really going to dive into that. Um, you know, he says, uh, well, and then I'll, I'll just let it play here. I mean, and again, you would think that they would want the whole world to know. Wouldn't they? If they were really seeing Christ, wouldn't it be best to tell everybody? Why would you keep that a secret? Oh, it's not a secret, it's sacred, I'm sorry. Otherwise, with modern technology that can broadcast something all over the world... Which is the whole fucking point. A remark made in a sacred and private setting can be sent abroad in violation of the Savior's commandment not to cast our pearls before swine. Oh, my God. And, and that's why in every general conference, they, you know, they, they have a special where, hey, we went to Haiti and we did this and that, and they got a camera crew there. I mean, whenever there's a natural disaster somewhere in the world, they're on their way with a camera crew to film the next in-between general conference special, casting their pearls before their swine, showing everybody how amazing they are. And all the missionaries wearing their helping hand shirts, their yellow shirts, you know, that are now world famous according to the church. And, you know, like in Houston when they had the big disaster and, you know, John O'Connor couldn't talk to his son in the Houston mission. And, um, you know, I mean, he basically told off the mission president, which I was proud of. Um, anyway, uh, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. So, it's a violation of the Savior's commandments. So keep that in mind. You know, anytime you see them casting their pearls before the swine, uh, they're very selective in when they do that. So when it comes to whether they've seen Christ or not, 
they can't tell you because I would be casting pearls before swine. But when they, you know, send all the missionaries out to uh, clean out houses of mold, black mold and dangerous things without masks or boots or gloves or anything, and they put up pictures all over the Internet, you know, of the, of the missionaries uh, unprotected, possibly, you know, catching something that might kill them within a year or two or down the road, uh, that's fine. You know, when they have pictures of missionaries standing in front of piles of garbage that came out of somebody's house, laughing, smiling, posing, that's fine. Uh, but don't cast your pearls before your swine, folks. Uh, when, when it comes to, you know, only when it comes to knowing if they've seen Christ or not. It's, it's incredible to me. It really is. It's really, really amazing. I mean, I mean again, they're, they're being selective. They're cherry-picking when they do and when they don't. And this is a particular time when they don't want to do it. So, uh, yeah, I hope you found that as interesting as I did. Um, you know, again, and it's funny how he says with modern technology, you know, we can broadcast something all over the world. And, you know, a remark made in a sacred and a private setting can be said abroad. Well, I mean, again, what would be the problem? I mean, let's say that they're all hanging out with Christ in the Holy of Holies. What would be the problem with them coming forward and saying, we see Christ all the time. Well, I had to think about it. And, I mean, why wouldn't they lie? You know, even if they don't see him, why don't they say, we, we see him all the time? Well, they can't. And the reason that they can't is it would open up a, a whole can of worms. If, if they claim that they were talking to Christ all the time, like on the record, you know, like, oh, yeah, we see him all the time. You know, we were uh, having thumb wars the other day. We did rock, paper, scissors, and I beat Christ, you know. I, I, I covered his rock with my paper. You know, and, and he was pissed, and so we did it again, and then he cut my paper with the scissors. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying they can't say they saw him because everybody would want answers to all the questions. You know, like, well, what did he say about gays? You know, why did he wait so long to give blacks the priesthood, the penishood? You know, uh, why did he uh, order polygamy when it was going to be outlawed and cause us so many problems? Why did he want Joseph Smith to marry a 14-year-old, another man's wives? And why, why did he order the Mountain Meadows Massacre, you know, through Brigham Young? I mean, there's so many questions that everybody would start asking. And again, if this went all around the world and became known that they saw Christ, then, you know, the press would be asking questions. I mean, it would just open up a ton of, you know, a can of worms, a ton of problems for them. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I mean, and that would be if they claim they saw him, but they really didn't. But if they really did see Christ, and they were really hanging out with Christ, and they would have answers to all the questions, they would want to tell the whole world, right? And they would want everyone to know that they actually did see Christ. And that Christ told them this, and Christ told them that. I mean, they would actually have specifics from Christ himself, and they could answer any question that anybody asked, or they could say, well, hey, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but the next time I see Christ... I'll ask him, and then I'll, we'll announce it to everyone, and we'll let you know what the answer is. But the truth is, they don't know their head from their assholes. I mean, these guys don't have a clue. And so how could they possibly pretend to see Christ and, and be as stupid as they are and have no answers for anything? So they're really in a conundrum. They're in a pickle, a real pickle, uh, a great pickle, a beautiful pickle, right? For us, because they can't claim, they can't lie and say, we've seen him. Uh, when they haven't, because they don't have any answers to anything. So it would be really strange to say, oh yeah, we see Christ all the time, but we can't give you answers to anything. So what would they say then? Okay, we've seen Christ, but 
the answers that he gave us are too sacred to share. <laughs> you know, I mean, they could have gone that route, you know, but it's easier just to say, well, uh, have we seen him? It's just too sacred to even talk about. In fact, uh, I think I would need to have authority to even ask somebody that question, even an apostle asking an apostle. It's like, really? Uh, you know, but again, why would you have to ask each other? You would think that they would see him together. It would be like a, you know, a group thing, you know, a, a circle jerk, you know, like uh, Spencer W. Uh, Kimballs like to talk about. You know, I mean, wouldn't they all be together in the Holy of Holies? I mean, you wouldn't think that Christ would just be popping in and talking to one guy and another guy and saying, hey, don't, hey, uh, Oaks, don't tell Packer that I came to see you. Hey, Packer, don't tell Monson, you know, I mean, what would be the secrecy? I mean, and, and wouldn't they want to talk about it? like, hey, I was in the Holy of Holies, man, and Christ came down and we were talking and we were, uh, you know, rapping about this and that. And Christ said that maybe we should get our shit together and that we're really fucking shit up. And, you know, I mean, wh why wouldn't they talk about it? Like they can't even talk amongst themselves because it's too sacred even with each other. I mean, that's mind blowing. <laughs> oh, man, what a joke, right? So, uh, anyway, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, I mean, because he talks about how, uh, and he doesn't even go into details, but he talks about how other, you know, apostles and members claim to have seen Christ. They've had the sublime experience, which he's probably jealous of, but not really, because he knows it's all bullshit. They claim to have seen him or whatever. We know back in Joseph Smith's day when they would see Christ, it would be after, you know, three days of fasting and then getting hammered on wine. I mean, you can see a lot of shit doing that. Uh, but again, you have, I mean, what is the founding vision of the church? The first vision. And Joseph Smith claimed to see God the Father and Christ. And he was attacked by the devil, and then they saved him, and it's this big, you know, dramatic thing. And so my question would be, if it isn't too sacred for Joseph Smith to have shared his experience... 18 years after it happened, it didn't print it for, what, 21, 22 years, but, you know, it wasn't even told for 18 years. Like, no one even knew about it when the church was founded. I mean, because we taught on our mission that everything happened in an order. You know, the first vision, he was persecuted, and the church was founded. Everybody knew about the first vision. Turns out nobody knew about the first vision uh, until he fabricated it and made it up to try to retain as many people as he could at a point where the church was completely collapsing, you know, 1837, 1838, uh, it was falling apart. And so he had to come up with, you know, very hastily the, the first vision and, uh, oh, oh, did I tell you I got the, the, the penis hood, you know? Uh, oh, and John the Baptist baptized us. And then Peter, James, and John came down and gave us the penis hood. And I don't even have a date for that. You know, the Melchizedek penis hood. Uh, you know, we got the ironic from uh, Johnny Boy and then... Uh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. Oh, and I completely didn't realize I was contradicting the fact that the church had to be restored when you still had the three Nephites and John the Beloved roaming the earth. I forgot to mention, I forgot to factor that in. So that's embarrassing. You know, when, I mean, they could have come and restored everything to us. I mean, that would have been a better story. You know, instead of Peter, James, and John, and John the Baptist, I mean, why didn't he just say, hey, by the way, John the Beloved came, and, and Peter, James, and John... They dunked us. They gave us a Melchizedek priesthood on, you know, April 29th. I mean, you know, it could have had a date and everything. But instead, he just had to kind of come up with shit, you know, on the fly because things were going very badly. So, you know, again, why would it? And so 
what does every missionary teach to every person? The first discussion, like when you when you contact people on the street, I mean, we used to give discussions on the spot. We were taught to give, you know, the first discussion right there on the spot, abbreviate it, but cover all the basics. And what does that include? The first vision. So basically every single person the missionaries talk to, where the conversation, you know, continues on beyond, hi, how you doing? Do you like to read? They talk about the first vision of Joseph Smith. It's the big deal. It's in Joseph Smith history, where he claims to have seen Christ. So again, I would ask the question, why was it too sacred for, uh, you know, Dallin Hoax or Boyd K. Packer or any of these ass clowns to talk about whether they've seen Christ? But it's perfectly fine for Joseph Smith to have done it, to openly brag about it, and for them to continually be sharing it with the entire world in every single missionary contact that happens on the street, in homes, every single day, all around the world. All they're talking about is the first vision, the first vision, the first vision. Because without that, there's nothing. I mean, that's the founding first vision of the church. If that didn't happen, none of it's true. It's all fraud. And it didn't happen. You know, and there's no record of the, of the events that they describe at the time. Um, so, you know, it, it's, really, uh, it's really amazing what they're uh, trying to get away with here, isn't it? I mean, you just kind of go, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, it's too sacred. But it's not too sacred for Joseph Smith. It's not too sacred. I mean, so again, they just never seem to have their shit together. They don't have their stories straight. You know, it's like they have, they, you know, they just have contradictions all over the place. So uh, it's not too sacred here, but it is too sacred there. Uh, you know, I can't talk about it, but he can talk about it. Others have talked about it. Um, you know, <laughs> amazing, isn't it? So anyway, uh, I'm just going to kind of keep talking here. But if anybody does want to call in at this point, you're welcome to do so. Again, 435-363-9665 or just 435-36-XMO5. And you're welcome to call in and join in the conversation here. Um, yeah, I mean, but that was basically what I wanted to talk about, you know, is uh, how, uh, you know, they claim it's too sacred, but yet that the whole church is based on Joseph Smith having seen Christ. Go figure, you know, I mean, it, it's uh, quite a conundrum. Um, yeah, so it wasn't too sacred back then, but it is too sacred now. And, and again, and, and, and it's kind of interesting that Oaks would mention that, you know, with the modern technology and stuff, that it could go all around the world. But, I mean, I thought that's what their goal was, to spread the church all around the world. And if they actually were seeing Christ and they had information straight from Christ, that would be huge. And people would want to be a part of that and say, man, these guys are talking to Christ, you know. But here's the other problem. If they were to make up lies and say, oh, well, we see Christ and we talk to Christ and we asked him this and we asked him that and he said this and he said that and, and then, you know, it turned out not to be true. I mean, what if people are like, well, what's going to happen in Syria? What's going to happen in Iraq or what's going to happen? You know, is there going to be a World War Three? Is there going to be, you know, this or that or I mean, all kinds of things. I mean, they could say, uh, you know, when did Christ say the next big earthquake was going to hit? Uh, when did he say? Because... He knows the beginning from the end, right? So if he knows all this information, why wouldn't he share it with them? Um, and why wouldn't they share it with the world and save lives? Well, that's a problem because if they haven't actually talked to him, then they don't have any of that information. I mean, what are they going to say? Well, uh, 
due to free agency, Christ isn't allowed to tell us when the next earthquake's going to be or when this is going to happen or, you know. I mean, they'd have to make up all kinds of excuses for their lies. So, again, it's just easier to say, well, we can't talk about that, you know. But just keep believing, you know, we are special witnesses of Christ. We really are. And uh, we witness of his name, uh, not of actually manifestation of him. Uh, I mean, again, what would be the point of building all these temples that are, you know, the sacred house of the Lord? Uh, What would be the point of all that if you never really saw him? You know, if you never really heard him? And, and again, why would he have come to the earlier prophets and apostles and, I guess, even common members, according to Hoax, but he's not coming to them now? Wouldn't they wonder that? Or would they not wonder that because they really know that it's all a crock of shit? <laughs> you know, they, all, they know it's not true. So, uh, again, I don't really think there's a lot of mystery there. I don't think they're actually wondering, like, why hasn't Christ come, you know? Um, anyway, uh, I just find it very, very fascinating. So, there you go. Uh, So, yeah, I've been ignoring Twitter. I apologize. I've been wrapped up here in the show. But let me go over to Twitter real quick. And, hey, Corbin, I appreciate the uh, retweet of the show. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And uh, Fred Carger, he also liked my tweet. So, that's awesome. Great to have you guys out there. And then uh, Corbin said, uh, Not only did my mission president uh, not see Christ, in one interview he admitted to me, that, of course, I don't know the church is true, but that he believed it was, and, let's see, he believed it was, and that he was motivated to be Mormon because of a healthy fear of God. (laughs) I remember, I have a friend that told me something similar to that, like, well, what if it's true? You know, it may not be, but what if it is? I mean, it's kind of, you know, uh, you know, Occam's razor, you know, like, you know, I might as well stay in it just in case. You know, but to me, it's like, why would you waste your whole life, you know, with something you don't even know if it's true? Wow, so that was your mission president? That's crazy, Corbin. I hope you're still out there listening. I haven't checked to see who's out there right now, but um, wow. So he actually admitted to you that, of course, I don't know the church is true. Wow. And yet we spent our whole lives saying, I know the church is true. You know, even when you're little kids and the parents are, you know, whispering in their kids' ears about how they know the church is true. That's amazing. Uh, but he believed it was. Okay. Um, so he was just motivated to be Mormon because of a healthy fear of God. Okay. So then Corbin says, I remember thinking, wow, he says that in private to me, but he publicly bears his testimony, his testifony. I mean, that's very uh, fitting in this case. It was a testifony that he knows the church is true and expects missionaries to do that to investigators aware the missionaries don't really know either are perfectly comfortable with the dishonesty wow yeah that's some powerful stuff there corbin i appreciate you sharing that i mean and and you know it makes you wonder how many mission presidents truly feel that way like they're out there telling you i know the church is true uh you better you know toe the line and they're like yeah what a crock of shit this is you know I mean, they're, they're just doing their job because they know that there's money in it. They could advance and become, you know, a 70 or an apostle or whatever. And so they, they want to advance, you know. They, they want that big payday. They want that security for their family. They want to lock in the, the college, you know, uh, money and everything for their entire offspring down the line. Uh, you know, again, I mean, I want to do a show... 
where I'm going to talk about, you know, whether they know it's all fraud or they know it's true. And, and there's a lot of debate about that, you know, and you can take that several ways. But uh, I have a lot of thoughts on that that I want to share as well on a different show on a different night. But anyway, I appreciate the tweets, guys. Uh, that's great. Uh, thank you for that. Um, it's always uh, good to have you guys out there on Twitter. So we have a lot of listeners. So any, if any of you out there are currently on Twitter, feel free to tweet. You know, hop on Twitter and and let us know what you're thinking and what you're saying. I would really appreciate that. Um, wow. So yeah, let me just run over real quick to uh, let me just double check Facebook, make sure I'm not missing anything over there. Helen Radke, man. You got to love her. I mean, she is a warrior. I mean, she just never gives up on exposing the church and the the uh, baptisms for the dead that they do, you know. Um, I mean, I just really, really respect her. So let's see here. Uh, yeah, some people liked my tweets about David J. Jordan. <laughs> um, let's see here. But let me just see what Helen Radke's up to here real quick. It popped up on my feed. Um, yeah, I mean, all these vicarious baptisms. So she's always digging and digging, you know. And she said, Mormons embrace well-known deceased Catholic clerics involved with sexual abuse and abuse cover-ups. So I, what are they doing, baptisms of these guys now? I mean, she would find them. She's, man, she finds a way. I mean, I just admire her. She's had health issues, she's getting older, and she just keeps fighting to the end to expose what they're doing. I mean, she has caused them incredible public humiliation and embarrassment. You know, she's exposed multiple times of uh, the church baptizing the Holocaust victims. You know, the Jewish Holocaust victims over and over. And then the church would say, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to, oh, we're so sorry. And then they do it again, and she catches them again and again. And they just keep doing it, you know, because they don't have any regard for anybody. Uh, but she said, news about the Catholic Church is flooded with sexual scandals daily, seemingly never-ending uh, disclosures of vice. Mormons are baptizing some of the offenders. Cardinal Bernard Francis Law's name was submitted for uh, posthumous rights immediately after he died in 2017. Law was the former Boston Archbishop who resigned in disgrace during the Catholic Church's sex scandal in Boston. He and other bishops covered up child abuse by priests in the Boston Archdiocese. Bernard's law, Bernard Law's father, Bernard Aloysius uh, Law, and his grandfather, John Law, were baptized by Mormons in 2015. Another well-known clerical offender was Marshall Maciel Degollado, Degollado? Uh, a Mexican Catholic priest who sexually abused minor uh, seminarians and many other minors. Maciel had maintained relationships with at least two women, fathering as many as six children. He allegedly abused two of them as well. Wow. Uh, he died in 2008. He was uh, posthumously baptized by Mormons in May of 2017 in the Guatemala City LDS Temple. I mean, this woman's amazing. Uh, note, the attached copies were collected in 2017 using a Mormon login that is now disabled, so I'm not risking login security by posting them. And so, again, she's got pictures of all these. I'm going to have to download these and save them and post them on Twitter. I mean, this is amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, they baptized Brother Hitler and Sister Braun. 
you know, just reading some of the comments here. Uh, wow. Uh, thank you, Helen, for the information and the work that you are doing. I was one of those innocent children that was taken to the temple to be used in this farce abuse. My mom told me that she had no idea what the trip to Salt Lake City was all about. She told me that had she known, she would not have let me go. I left this cold after 59 years. 59 years. There was a guy the other day on, on uh, YouTube. I watched his video. He's 65 years old. He joined the church when he was 17. He was a member for 48 years up until this spring, like March or April of this year. He truly believed. He's read the Book of Mormon like 50, 60 times. I think it was like 65 times or something. Um, and guess what? He discovered all the things that we've discovered in the history. You know, Joseph Smith's child brides and, you know, all the terrible things that have gone on in Mormon history. And he never questioned. He never thought it was false. And then, lo and behold, he figured it out. And, you know, it's never too late. I mean, 48 years. And he figured it out. And he's out. You know, and now you've got somebody who just said, well, they've been a member of 59 years. And they're out. So, I mean, they're, they're losing the lifelong diehards who've never doubted. And uh, again, I'm going to be wrapping up here in a minute. So if anybody wanted to call in, you're welcome to do so. Again, 435-363-9665. Um, so anyway, uh, amazing stuff. It really, really is. Uh, and the corruption and the lies just continue and continue and continue, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, there there's so many great ex-Mormons out there who do so much great work and and research and you know I mean some of them are a part of this show you know Samson Avard, I, hey I really appreciate you I mean you are awesome um, I mean you're over there in Australia in the land down under and uh, of course Demon of Kolob you know I've been collaborating with Demon since uh, 2006 I believe so I mean we've been at it for 12 years. Uh, you got Pat, a great caller and listener of the show, who, I mean, has done extensive research and spent literally like thousands and thousands of hours, countless hours, making videos and audio and finding clips and putting them together and putting them all over YouTube. And I mean, there's just a lot of people that work tirelessly to, you know, to expose Mormonism for the fraud and the lies that it is. And so... I'm just happy to be part of the the cog, you know. I'm part of the cog in the wheel. You know? I'm just I'm just happy to be part of it, you know. I'm happy to be able to to share the truth with people and let people know what's really going on in Mormonism, because there's so much disinformation, you know. There's so many lies um, that are spewed every day, you know, all around the world. I mean, the missionaries. See, here's the problem. The missionaries are being lied to in the MTC. They're being lied to their whole lives growing up. Now, they might be learning a little bit more than we did um, back when, you know, we were involved in the church, uh, you know, because a lot more has come out. But, but they're still not being told the entire truth, and then they're being told, uh, you know, false explanations of why this happened or why this was or, oh, it wasn't really that exactly. It was more like this. And so, I mean, they're, begin they're still being lied to and given a lot of disinformation, but for the most part, missionaries are being taught the very basics, just like most of us were. You know, for those of you out there that served a mission, you know what I'm talking about. It's all, it's all very basic. I mean, you're not giving people complete information about the church so that they can make an educated decision on whether they want to be a part of it or not. You're just giving them a, you know, the, 
you know, just the, the notes, you know, the, the brief note, what do you call those? The, you know, like from a play, uh, you know, like where it's, it's just like an abbreviated version of the facts. You know, you, you're just kind of learning the, the, you know, the, the basic stuff. Very, very basic. You don't learn the other stuff until you've been dunked. And then, you know, you're like, wait a minute. You know, I mean, in this guy's case, you know, 48 years later, he's like, what the hell? I didn't know this. And he, and he says in the video, like I say all the time, had I known this, had I known this or had I known that, I would have never joined. But in my case, I would have left and not gone on a mission at least. But this guy, you know, I mean, he was a convert. So, I mean, he never would have joined. And, and by the way, the church had a, a huge impact in his life from 17 to 65. And he talked about a lot of the things he'd gone through in life and that he often wonders, had he not been going down the Mormon road, if any of that would have been a problem or happened, you know? Uh, that his life probably would have been a lot better and richer, you know, had he not been a member of the church. And because what you try to do is you try to conform everything, you know, to the church. I mean, that's what I did. I mean, my, my personal views, my political views, my morals, my values, I mean, everything was like, well, the church this, the church that. I mean, I was, I was diehard. And so, I mean, what a liberating thing it is when you find out that you can move on and, you know, like live your own life and make your own decisions and have your own opinions and speak your mind and say what you want to say and not worry about offending everybody, you know, or being punished for it. Uh, I mean, the church will say on one hand, hey, we want you to speak out and think and all this, but they don't. I mean, they make it very clear, you know, once the prophet has spoken, the thinking is done. It's over. You're, you're done. You know, I mean, the 14 Fundamentals by Benson back in the 80s, I mean, makes it very clear that, you know, there is no other truth. I mean, you, you follow them and you're happy or you reject them and you suffer. You know, uh, there's no in-between. Um, like Hinckley said, it's all true or it's all a fraud or it's all a great fraud. No middle ground, no gray area. So, uh, again, there is no room for places like uh, fair or farms or anybody that is that middle ground or that gray area that Hinckley talked about. Even though they were being paid by the church, he, on one hand, he was paying them to create the gray area and the middle ground. But on the other hand, he was saying there is no middle ground. So, again, just complete deception at every turn and every angle. It's really amazing, isn't it? Um, again, it's, I, I guess what amazes me the most is how long they got away with all this. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I, I don't enjoy the topics and the things that I always have to talk about on this show and the deception and the lies, but I do enjoy being able to expose them and share them with everybody. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, a lot of you might know, but... Um, you know, it doesn't hurt to talk about it. It doesn't hurt to expound upon them. It doesn't hurt to think about them, sometimes a little deeper, maybe in a different way. Uh, I was reading some posts over on uh, ex-Mormon Reddit uh, yesterday, and uh, one person was lamenting that the place had kind of just turned into a kind of a flippant, you know, uh, this and that, and that nobody was really talking about anything serious anymore. And uh, one person said, well, it's because we already know everything. I mean, if you think you know everything about Mormonism, come on. There's a lot to learn, and the things that we do know, we can learn more about them. It's not like we've just... I mean, if you really think that you've learned everything there is to learn, I mean, you, you, you have no idea. I mean, it's, uh, there's so much more. I mean, every single day, 
I'd find something else. Or, I mean, maybe not every day, but every, quite often, every so often, I come across something that I never knew before. And this is after I've been, like, you know, deep in it for 13 years, and I still find things and go, wow, I had no idea. I'd never heard that before. You know, so that's why I value all of you, and I value your knowledge and your experience and your research, because there's always something else out there. I remember the day I found out why Joseph Smith could marry other men's wives and feel like it was legitimate. And it was shocking to me. Uh, and I believe it was in a, I don't know if it was church history or, uh, I don't know, one of the official places, but I, I found it and it was because they weren't married by the church. So since the church did not recognize the law of the land, you know, which is contrary to the Articles of Faith, uh, he saw each of these women as single in his world because they weren't married in the church. So they needed to be sealed to a, you know, a penis head holder, and he was the highest one, so uh, they should all be sealed to him. You know, and, I mean, without any regard for the woman's current husband, children, family, it didn't matter because none of that was legit anyway. The only way to be legit was to be married to him, basically, or be married and sealed you know, or married to him through the church. I was like, wow, so he actually saw these married women as single women. Go figure, you know? I remember just going, wow, it's like a light went off. I'm like, that's why he thought it was all right. <laughs> Not that he needed to think it was all right because he did whatever he wanted, but I'm just saying that was how he could justify it to others, you know, say, oh, well, the reason I'm going to marry uh, this man's wife is because, you know, they're just married by the law of the land and we don't give a damn about the law of the land. We have no respect for this country. And so we're just going to do our own thing, and there you have it. So I was like, wow, amazing. Um, so, I mean, there's always something to find, you know. There's always something out there. So hopefully none of us ever feel like, oh, hey, we've already arrived, and we know everything there is to know. There's no more questions. There's, uh, you know, and even when you think you know everything about a subject, you find something else. You know, I mean, there's so much out there, and... I mean, look at all the talks on LDS.org. Look at, I mean, they have all the conference talks back to 1971 now, the audio. You know, and then you have the printed talks all the way back into the 1800s. You know, and, and I mean, horrific things in the general conference talks. And, I mean, we haven't even began to tap those. And there's so much information out there. I mean, I don't ever feel like, oh boy, I can just, you know, end the show now and uh, I've shared everything there is to share. And, and again, the other thing that people seem to forget, and I guess I'm kind of on my high horse here, but it's just something that, that, that I, I try to uh, help myself with so that I don't do this. But I think a lot of us sometimes feel like, well, hey, uh, we've all been there, you know, we've, we've learned the truth and we know what's going on. And, but I think sometimes we forget, and I've, I mean, I've been guilty of it too, we, we forget that there's somebody today who's in the same place we were whenever it was that we discovered the church was a fraud. So like this guy the other day, I mean, he's been in the church for 48 years. Uh, it's 2018, and he just discovered, like we did, like I did back in 2005, he just found out that the Book of Abraham is a crock of shit. He just found out that Joseph Smith was marrying a 14-year-old and other men's wives, and he's appalled. And so, I mean, I, I have a lot of hope that there's a lot of people out there like him that have good morals and values, and they're not going to accept this type of information once they find it. Um, so it just gives me hope. But 
we have to remember that what we, you know, it's been 13 years for me, but that doesn't mean it's been 13 years for everybody. It might be three minutes for somebody. It might be, you know, like right now, someone's going, I had no idea. You know, they're listening to the show and they're hearing things they've never heard before and they're shocked. They're stunned. They're uh, going to ex-Mormon Reddit or they're, they're Googling something, uh, researching a church lesson and something pops up and they're like, what is this, you know? And so we have to remember that there are always people out there that are back where we once were, you know. Um, and I guess you could you could create a couplet, <laughs> kind of like the you know, as God once was, man may become, or as what is it? Uh, <laughs> as as uh, let's see, as God, yeah, because God was uh, let's see, as man, oh shit, you know, the one where you know God was once a man, and I mean, I guess we could say. Uh, uh, basically, that uh, as we once were, uh, many will still be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, they're going to go through the same thing we went through. So we need to be there for them. We need to help them. And they're going to want to hear a lot of the things that we've known forever because they haven't heard them before. They don't know. And so we have to continue to talk about things. There's a lot of repetition, but you can always you know, throw in current events and things that are happening. And I mean, trust me, I have done, uh, this is, uh, I think, show 337 uh, since uh, I started the show on November 23rd, 2015. Show 337. I've done, I don't know, 15, 1600 hours of shows. I mean, I've done shows that were five hours, six hours, seven hours, almost eight hours. Um, I've done, you know, mostly shows that are like three to five hours. And we've covered a lot of stuff. But it's like a drop in the bucket. There's so much to talk about. And, and then on top of all that, we have everyone's personal experiences, which is completely separate from the history and the doctrine and all that. We have people's personal experiences and their lives and their wards and stakes with general authorities. You know, I mean, that's all to be discussed, too. And so when people call in, they like to talk about, you know, their experiences in the church and, and so on and so forth. So... There, there's just never a point where we can say, okay, well, we've talked about everything there is to talk about. So I agree with that person in Reddit. I think that, um, I mean, I come from a time where it was more, I don't know, the discussions were more, uh, you could say, intellectual or, you know, about the history and about those type of things. And, and it's okay to have the other conversations too and to joke around and because that's the only way we can stay, uh, what, sane? Um, you know, you have to joke sometimes and, but, uh, I, I would agree, you know, I think that there needs to be more, um, serious discussion. It seems like there's a lot of just kind of flippant, uh, or a lot more than there used to be, but, you know, it's, it's good to once in a while bring it back to, you know, the facts and the reality and this is the deal and this is the way it is. And, and I mean, that's kind of more of where I'm coming from, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I do throw in humor and things, but. Um, I take it all very seriously, and I, the, what I really take seriously is the, the destruction of people's lives, you know. So, anyway, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, just kind of coming back to the, to the main question of the show, you know, do they claim to see Christ? Um, not anymore. <laughs> if, they, if they did, they really don't anymore. Um, they claim that it's too sacred to talk about. Because they really can't, you know, they don't have answers to anything. I mean, you know, again, I mean, I should play the audio of Oaks, too, you know, where it's in the intro. But, I mean, he's basically asked, you know, about the, uh, 
the the gay suicide going on you know the the suicide of the lgbtq that you know if he is uh you know basically uh free from all that and i mean he literally says you know well hey you know uh yeah, basically, I'm I'm ready to meet my maker. You know, uh, the the rightness or wrongness of it. So, so why would he say the rightness or wrongness of it if he actually knew if it was right or wrong? If he actually saw and talked and walked with Christ, you know, he would know. And he's admitting again publicly that he doesn't know. So, it's kind of interesting that they say it's too sacred to talk about. But if you look at the things that they say and you read between the lines, they're being crystal clear that they've never talked to Christ, that they've never seen Christ, or they wouldn't have so many questions. I mean, he's like, well, you have to answer to a higher power than is on this earth. Okay, and what about that higher power? Do you ever see him or talk to him? Well, it's too sacred to talk about that. You know? uh, but the rightness or wrongness of it, oh, okay, so if you don't know if your gay hate doctrine is right or wrong, that means that you haven't actually talked to Christ because obviously you could clear that up in about 10 seconds. You know, I mean, wouldn't you ask? I mean, if, if Christ popped down into the Holy of Holies and you had this huge controversy about the LGBTQ community and uh, the suicides going on and your gay hate doctrine of banning the children and calling legally gay married couples worse than rapists and child sex abusers and attempted murders, wouldn't you ask Christ? But supposedly that came from Christ. You know, through a revelation, which Nelson talked about. So, you know, again, they, they got a problem. Because imagine if uh, they're like, hey, we saw Christ and he said it's all wrong. Then it'd be like, well, how did you create it in the first place? Because you said it came from Christ and now you're saying that it didn't. You know, so again, they'd have a huge problem on their hands. I mean, pretty much everything that they do leads to a problem. You know, and then there's so many lies, you know, mixed with more lies and... Uh, you know, and, and they, they, they try to, you know, act like they're so intelligent, you know, they're so above us, like we don't get it, you know, like we, like we, we don't understand, you know, kind of like the talk I was reading the other night with, uh, you know, Kimball's, you know, uh, follow the rule, you know, where he's talking about that you should marry, you know, within your own race, Caucasians marry Caucasians and uh, Japanese marry Japanese and Mexicans marry Mexicans and I mean, he doesn't even mention the blacks because they weren't even part of the conversation in 1977. It was one year before they decided to uh, give blacks the penis hood, right? And, and allow, you know, black women into the temple as well. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a priesthood ban. It was a temple ban. You know, it was a, a celestial kingdom ban. I mean, it really was. I mean, it was far more than just the, the priesthood because if it was only the priesthood, why did they ban the black women too, you know? Uh, but again, I mean, he's saying that, that you should marry within your own race and it's like the gathering of Israel, that you should stay in your own country and marry within your own religion. And, you know, this is great advice and it always has been and the church has always taught this. And, you know, and, and, but then he goes on to talk about how, you know, there are exceptions and that you could even say that some of the general authorities have married outside their own race. Okay, you know, and... So why would it be okay for them and not okay for us? Well, he goes on to say that, you know, basically they have inspiration that we don't and they know better and that they're the exception, but they're a legitimate exception because they got it together and we don't. Like, they, they know what's up, you know. I mean, uh, Spencer W. Kimball's married his wife 
after he knew her for three weeks. But that was okay because he was a future uh, apostle, you know, in the church. Uh, did he know that at the time? I mean, he had the lineage, but, you know, again, it's, it's amazing how they, they justify it all, you know. It's amazing how they basically make it okay if they do this or they do that, but we can't do this and we can't do that. You know, I mean, they're always above the law. I mean, they, like I said, they don't answer to anybody, you know. So it's really revealing, you know, when Dallin Hoax is talking about how, you know, uh, someday he'll meet his maker. Well, because you haven't met him yet, have you, Dallin? But you're going to tell us it's too sacred to talk about, but it's pretty crystal clear from everything you've said that you've never met him, you've never talked to him, and you have no clue. And so, again, it's, it's all, like I said at the beginning, it's all a mirage. You know, they've created this this aura and this mirage of we are so special, we are special witnesses of Christ, and to be more specific, the name of Christ, not Christ himself, but the, his name, um, you know, and so they, and, and then they dumb themselves down, you know, again, you've got uh, down hoax, you know, basically saying that, uh, w which is amazing, you know, that, uh, let's see, what does he say here, uh, you know, that, of course, apostles are also witnesses of Christ, just like all members of the church who have the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, you know, and, and you have members doing that and saying, oh, well, they're just regular guys, you know, and they make mistakes. And, and I used to say that about my mission president, like I mentioned earlier. So uh, you have to literally dumb them down to a common man's level in order to explain the things that they say and do. And then that's the point where I say, well, then why are you following them? Why are you giving them your money? So, um, so the answer is to the question that I started with at the beginning of the show, no, they haven't seen Christ. That's pretty obvious. But for the most part, they don't claim to have seen him either because they can't really claim to see him because uh, Down Hoax is terrified that if he said that, it would be, you know, with modern technology, it would be broadcast all over the world. And, uh, you know, again, a, a remark made in a sacred and private setting can be, set abroad. I guess that would even include the temple. <laughs> we know the temple's been violated, so... Um, but I'm, I'm still curious, you know, when he says that... Uh, let's see, uh, let me just find it here. Um, yeah, like, uh, let's see here. Yeah, called to be witnesses of the name of Christ. Um, and then he basically says that... Uh, Let's see, uh, early apostles, experience, hang on a second here. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we are counseled not to speak of our most sacred spiritual experiences. So, I mean, and again, I just want to know who's counseling them not to say that. And it's got to be Curtin and McConkie, right? <laughs> They're like, dude, don't make fools of yourselves. If you, if you go out and you claim this, I mean, and, and you could have fraud charges too. I mean, you know, if they claim to talk to God and then, you know, they can't support that. I mean, I mean, why not take a selfie with him, right? I mean, we're talking like modern technology. I mean, the next time Christ pops into the Holy of Holies, you know, put your arms around each other and, and take a selfie and put it on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, let everybody see it, right? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be great? But again, it's never going to happen. So, uh, and they know it. And I mean, I, mean, I if, if, if I was like one of the big 15, and I'd never seen Christ, you know, I would, I would seriously be wondering what's going on. I mean, if I was a true believer 
you know, I didn't know it was a fraud. And, I, you know, I got put into the Big 15 and I didn't see Christ. I'd be like, man, it's just like before I came into the Big 15. Nothing has changed. I wonder why, you know. And, of course, you can't ask anybody because, like, you know, Packer said it's too sacred even within the Big 15 to talk about it. Uh, but, you know, if you go back to what Grant Palmer uh, said when he was meeting with a 70, uh, you know, secretly meeting with him, and a lot of people tried to debunk Grant Palmer. Uh, I, I believe Grant Palmer is an honest, straightforward man. I believe him. He says he met with someone. They tried to narrow down who it was and all that, but I believe him. I mean, he, the guy that he met with said that they basically get a signing bonus of, I think, a million dollars to pay off all their debts and to get everything in order. And then they get paid, you know, a pretty hefty sum to be in the Big 15. And he said that when they all start out, that most of them are all true believers. They still believe. So a lot of the 70s are true believers, I guess. I think a lot of them are not, but I think there are probably a bunch that are. And so when they get put in as an apostle, he said it takes about three years for them to figure out that it's all bullshit. And I found that to be fascinating. So, so they hang in there for a while, you know. They try to believe. They try to, they they try to think it's real. They try to make the magic happen, and then they find out it's all bullshit, you know. And so then they just go along because they're already locked in. They had to sign an NDA, you know, basically saying that if they ever expose the church or the inner workings, that they have to pay back the million dollars, and you know. I don't know, man. I just think that there's an economic, a huge economic angle as to why they stay, even if they know it's not true. And so, uh, again, I'm going to do a whole show on that. I think it's worthy of a show where we can talk about, you know, all the reasons. And, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll have you guys send me your thoughts, you know, and I can share them on the show when we do it. So, anyway, uh, pretty fascinating stuff. It really is. But a lot of people out there hurting. Uh, you know, it's it's very um, it's sad that an organization that could do so much good is doing so much bad and hurting so many people. And I hope that, you know, somehow more people can just see the light and get out. Uh, I, you know, I admire the people that say, well, I want to make it better. I want to I want to do it from within. But I'm telling you, it's never going to happen. I mean, it's kind of a fruitless thing that you're trying to do. That's my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just going to keep saying, you know, has the doctrine changed? You know, like when it comes to uh, gay marriage, LGBT, has the doctrine changed? If the doctrine hasn't changed, it doesn't matter what they do publicly, what they say, what they donate. It doesn't matter. If their doctrine is still the same doctrine of hate and nothing has changed, then it doesn't matter what they do. They can do and say whatever they want. But it's not going to change anything unless the doctrine changes. If the doctrine changes, then, hey, I'll admit, hey, that's a step in the right direction. But they just can't do it, and they're not going to do it. Um, anyway, I, what can you say, right? <laughs> I guess you can say a lot, but, I mean, I'm just saying certain things are never going to change. So, again, there's never going to be, an, uh, you know, three temple movies you know, Adam and Eve, uh, Adam and Adam and Eve and Eve, not going to happen. You're not going to have Adam and Steve and, you know, Eve and Jane getting married in one movie and, and then Adam and Eve in the other. I mean, it's never going to happen. So uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know why I would be. You know, there's, I, I talked about the case last night that's before a Mormon judge. He's a BYU grad, 
you know, trying to throw out the McKenna-Denson case, and this judge is as Mormon as you can be. He worked at the BYU Law School, he taught there, he's a BYU grad, and he's the judge. And so I guess we will see if he has the courage to go against the church, but I would bet no. But we'll see, you know, who knows? Maybe things are changing, right? Times are changing, I hope. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it, folks. I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, there's a great song out there. I kind of like this song. It's a new song that I found. And uh, it's called uh, She's Changing. And it's by, uh, let's see here, it's featuring, I don't know, uh, Spinning. Anyway, it's by uh, Admiral Bob. And it's just kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a, a nice song, you know, and it just talks about how how uh she's she's changing you know like things change and uh you just you never know you know how things could end up or whatever but there's a lot of people that are seeing the light and a lot of people that are that are changing and again it gives me hope you know i was looking on youtube when i found that guy of you know 48 years and he just left this year i'm like wow there is hope out there still we can reach these people we can help these people to see the light it's not too late and so i hope that that is the case and we can continue to help as many people as possible you know originally when i started out i was trying to help myself i just wanted to have freedom of speech and thought and expression for essentially the first time in my life and so i started out wanting to help myself but then it didn't take long before it went far beyond that and started to help other people and so uh, i appreciate everything that all of you do out there all of your time and efforts that you spend to help people to expose the the truth of the mormon fraud i appreciate that keep it up we all we, we need all the help we can get so uh anyway keep it up and uh, i really appreciate you tuning in tonight hopefully you can tune in again tomorrow and we'll uh go at it again uh tomorrow night if all goes well uh, i should have demon Nikolov on he'll be talking about his visit to uh um what's it called <laughs> Um, oh shit, I just forgot. Anyway, the, uh, they just had the, you know, the, oh man, what's it called? Anyway, I said it earlier in the show, but you know, where they're, uh, I'm just drawing a blank here, uh, where they talk about the church and, you know, they try to figure out, you know, how to make certain things better. And, um, it's been going on for decades. Anyway, we'll have him on to talk about that. And, uh, I really appreciate everyone. So, have a great rest of your uh, night, day, morning, whatever it may be, wherever you're at in the world. we got people from all over the world listening to the show. So um, just have a great rest of your day, and we'll see everybody again tomorrow. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Search for honesty, she wore a disguise. And in her circle, there's a square. And in the square, there is a key. Her lock is turning, a distance in between. She's opening a door. 
never see her like she was before She's changed Yeah.